All right, today we're going, to, uh, the title of the message is, is, Which Resurrection is Your Resurrection? And that'll become clearer as we move through the message. Uh, today we're talking about a decision that can change the course of people's lives. However, here's some jokes about decisions that some po- folks have made. A man woke up with an allergic reaction spreading all over his body, and instinctively he thought to go straight to the doctor. But then he realized quickly that one should never make a rash decision. Well, if you didn't like that one, I got a better one for you. (laughs) Get it on the way home. (laughs) A taxi driver talking to someone said, what I like most about my job is the independence it gives me. I'm my own boss. No one tells me what to do. I make my own decisions. Fifteen minutes later, Tom Tom says, take the next left. <laughs> and last but not least, a little boy asks his father, Dad, what does it mean to be a man? And the father replies, well, son, being a man means that you're the person in control of the situation. You're the one who takes all the important decisions. Well, the son answers, then I hope to be a great man when I grow up, just like mom is. <laughs> Sorry, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, we're back in the Gospel of John today, and the Gospel of John was written between somewhere 90 AD and 100 AD. Scholars also believe that John wrote the three epistles in the book of Revelation around the same time. So without further ado, we're in John chapter 5, verse 17. And today I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. And it says, But Jesus replied, My Father is always working, and so am I. And so the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. And so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. And they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. And the Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Let's pray. Well, Lord, here we are again. And we come before you in your word. 
And we say, God, as we, as we look at, the, at your word, we ask that you would change us. That when we leave today, we would be different than when we came in. Lord, help me to speak your word in truth, in boldness, and in clarity. And God, we will thank you for all of this. In Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God and the church said, Amen. Amen. Folks, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Will you have life or death? But what does the Son give? He gives life. You will have eternity somewhere. But know this, the Son gives life. That's point number one, the Son gives life. We're going to look at verses 19 through 21 again. Let's revisit that. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. Jesus is using human thought and human idea to start to reveal that he is indeed God. He is the second person in the Trinity. It may be hard to understand the Trinity, but he is indeed God. <clears throat> also, when he took on human flesh, he limited himself to do only what he sees the Father doing. In the beginning of John, remember, we're told in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. In verse 14, if we skip down and remember, it says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus is God made manifest in the flesh. He's equal with the Father in all of his attributes. He does not lack one. John 5.21 says, For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. Now, is this a literal raising from the dead? Well, the answer is yes and no. You see, we know that Jesus' power is effective, meaning that he could raise every dead person right now physically. But we also know that that is not his will right now. No, what is being stated here looks forward to spiritual resurrection. Once you were dead in Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of the power is in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us 
who are united with Christ Jesus. You know, I heard a man once tell an audience with tears in his eyes that God had such grace on him. You see, he put a revolver in his mouth. Not once, but twice when he pulled the trigger, it jammed. And then he experienced God's marvelous power. And at this point, he's now crying, and he proclaimed, sooner or later, that gun, it goes off. Thank God that it didn't. He said if it were not for God's power, he would be dead. He said that a change had happened inside of him like nothing he could explain before or since. And he said, the one thing I know is that I was dead, but now I am alive. If you've never experienced that, if you've never experienced that, the one thing I know is that I was dead, but now I am alive. If you know what that means deep on the inside of you, thank God you are saved. But if you don't, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you and God need to have a conversation. What a marvelous story of the grace of God, of salvation. Remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Truly, the Son gives life. Will you be one that he has given life to? Or will you remain dead in your sins? That's the question. Where are you today? Have you received life from the Son or not? Have you experienced a life-changing event or not? Well, pastor, I've been baptized. Well, that's great and wonderful. Was there a life-changing event before that that happened between you and God? Because if that didn't happen, the only thing that changed is you went down a dry center and came up a wet center. That's it. That's all that happened. There was no identification with Christ. So, uh, uh, baptism cannot save you. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Where will you spend it? That's point two. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Where, oh pray tell, will you spend it? Let's look at the rest of this scripture. Verse 22. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice and the voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. 
Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. The Son has been given the right and the responsibility to judge all things. And guess what? He is going to judge the living and the dead, the good and the bad. And those that belong to Him and those that don't will all be judged. Know this, that this is a fact. This is not conjecture. This is not my own wording. This is the Scripture. It's not some high-in-the-sky, by-and-by thing that you won't ever have to face. You will face judgment. So will I. We all will. But what kind of judgment? You see, our, our eternal destiny will be judged on what we did with the Son of God. Did we pass up the free gift He offers us even unto this day? Or did we receive the gift and be changed for all eternity? Ephesians, or John 5.24 tells us, remember what it said, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. And they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. You know, this is talking about the believer. The believing one has already passed from death into life. They're enjoying some of the benefits of a new nature. Now, that's not to say that we don't fight against the old nature, that, that sinful nature that's in us. It is to say, though, that we possess eternal life and, and all of our sins have been forgiven. Past, present, and future have been forgiven. And what are these two natures that you're talking about, Pastor? This evil nature and this good nature. Well, we find that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, hostility, idolatry, sorcery, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have had before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Those who believe, this is the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Anyone who makes a lifestyle out of the sinful nature and they're not showing any fruit of salvation, no matter what they say, no matter how much they beg or plead or tell you that they're saved, they're not. 
You don't have to tell a fruit tree what kind of fruit to grow. You know why? Because it knows. It's in its DNA. It's in their nature to grow whatever their fruit is. It, it, an orange tree is not going to give you apples. An apple tree is not going to give you lemons. But if you do get lemons from a lemon tree, you can make lemonade. That's a joke. You get it on the way home. No matter what I say, you don't have to tell a Christian what kind of fruit to grow. It's, guess what? It's in our new DNA. We grow it. They will start automatically start growing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning, and he was telling me, I don't want to do the things I used to do. I don't want to be around the people I used to be around. Well, praise the Lord. That's showing the fruit of the Spirit. You know, though my belly is full of food, if you look at me, if I told you I was a refrigerator, it wouldn't by no means mean that I'm a refrigerator. I can say all day long I'm a refrigerator. Guess what? It don't make it so. So it is with the Christian. We can see you belong to Jesus by your fruit. You can't over a great period of time fool everyone around you. You can fool some people some of the time. You can fool all the people, maybe, if you're good at it, some of the time. But you can't fool everybody all the time, especially over a long period of time. You either are or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. You're either producing the fruit or you're not. And the one person you can never fool, none of the time, is God. You can fool yourself sometimes, but you'll never fool God. The things that you do here, if you are unsaved, you will have to make account for. You see, my account and the Christian's account, the believer's account, is all on Jesus. He took our sin. And so when we're asked, what about this? That's under the blood. What about that? That's under the blood of Jesus. What about that? That's under the blood of Christ. He paid that price that I could never pay. John 5, 26 and 27, it says, The Father has life in Himself, and He has granted that same life-giving power to His Son. And He has given Him authority to judge everyone because He is the Son of Man. It is Jesus who has the life-giving authority, not us, folks. So it is Him who will judge everyone because He is the Messiah, the Savior. The term Son of Man, by the way, is a term that Jesus used a lot about Himself. He was showing that he is 100% God and 100% man. And I've got a churchy word for you. It's called the hypostatic union. But you don't need to remember that. Just know that God, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Period. John 5, 28. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son. Does that say some of the dead? No, it says all of the dead. And it says, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. There is a time coming, 
at the return of Christ, let me be honest with you here, at, not that I'm not, but at the return of Christ, there's a time coming when he's coming in judgment. You see, he came the first time as the Lamb of God. This time he comes with judgment. And there's going to be two judgments. The first one we call the Bema Seat of Christ. And it can be found in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. The Bema Seat of Christ. This is the first judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 says this. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their forehead or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. If you're to find yourself at this judgment seat, your deeds will be judged, but not as to where you will spend eternity. Because that was settled in Christ a long time ago. That's settled here before you even get there. This judgment is for your rewards as to what is rewarded to you for being a faithful servant. You know, the scripture says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Will we hear that if we're good and faithful? Yes. What happens if we're not a very good servant? I always think the Lord is going to say, well, you're done. And that's about it. Now the second judgment. The second judgment is called the great white throne of judgment. And it can be found in Revelation chapter 20 verse 11. And it reads, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. If you find yourself standing at this throne, it is too late to repent. It is too late to come to Christ. Oh, you're going to bow your knee to Him because He is God. But how much better for you if you had bowed that knee here today in front of Him? The choice is yours. Will you bow your knee willingly? Or will you be forced to bow your knee then? Either way, all knees will bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's eternity we deal with here, folks. It's serious stuff. If you've just been playing church, then it's time to stop and be, actually become a part of the spiritual church that is a believer in Christ Jesus. Become a believer and you become a part of His true church. I don't want anyone in this room, online, at the sound of my voice, 
to have to appear before the great white throne because your name wasn't listed in the Lamb's book of life. I want your name there. Where will you spend eternity? Which resurrection will your resurrection be? Will you have life or death? Because the Son gives life. You see, we're already born in death as the ladies come. <laughs>